Well, good morning once again. Thanks for worshiping with us today. It's a beautiful, hot summer day. Uh, normally, as you guys know, we are working our way through the book of Psalms over the summer. In the fall, we will come back to Ephesians that we've been working through since last fall. So we're taking a little break from Ephesians and going through the Psalms this summer. And today, I'm going to take a pause from the Psalms and share with you about the mission of our church. Tonight's our annual meeting, our first annual meeting. It's going to be really good, so you should all come back for that. Um, But as we look forward to what the Lord has called us to in obedience to Him, in obedience to His Word, in the ministry efforts that are coming this fall, there's some exciting stuff that we're planning on doing. And so as we're looking at that, we thought it would be appropriate to take our time together this morning and explain or express the biblical and theological principles that undergird our mission as a church. These aren't just words that we dreamt up and thought, oh, this sounds good, or this is what another church did, or whatever. We want to be really intentional in our communication of why we are here. What are we doing And what has God called us specifically as a church to do? So this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at our mission statement. You can see it to our left. Grace Bible Church exists to gather, grow, and send disciples who delight in Jesus. And so I'm excited to go through this with you to give some explanation for those who don't know. Why why do we say that? Why is this posted up here every Sunday morning? Well, it's a reminder for us to keep us faithful to what God has called us for. So I'd invite you to pray with me, and we're going to look at this this morning. Father in heaven, I give you thanks and praise for your faithfulness to this church. As we come up on our one-year anniversary and have the opportunity to look back and see all of the ways that you have kept us from falling, the ways that you have kept us from going off track, Lord, and we see the ways that you have provided for all of our needs, we are so very humbled that you would work in this way. We know that Grace Bible Church does not exist for us alone. It exists for you and for your glory and for the proclamation of your gospel. So God, please keep us faithful to this mission, to share the good news of Jesus Christ in our communities, in our homes, in the areas that you have us in. And Lord, just as Eric was saying earlier, we are so dependent upon you to walk in obedience. We need your help so badly. And so please, this morning now, even as we look at these things, as we are hopefully encouraged by these things, please come. Motivate us towards greater love for you and greater obedience to you. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said earlier, if you've been attending for any length of time, you know that our regular pattern of preaching is something we call consecutive exposition, meaning that we are under the conviction that faithfulness to the Word of God in our preaching means you start at the beginning of a book and you work your way through and... That's what we've been doing for the past year, but it is good from time to time to stop and look at different, uh, whether they be theological issues or some topics that need to be addressed. So just want to encourage and remind you that 
our regular pattern of preaching is to open the Word of God, explain the text, and pray like crazy that God will work through that. So this morning is a little bit of a deviation from that, but I think it's going to be really, really helpful. When we were getting together prior to the start of Grace Bible Church and we were talking about what is the mission, what are, and mission is just a word for purpose, right? All businesses or corporations have some kind of a mission statement that says, here is why we're doing what we're doing, here is the goal, we want to get to this place. And so you may have heard somebody say at some time, well, a church is more of an organism than an organization. And that is very much true, right? We are the body of Christ. Christ is our head. So we don't want this language to seem corporate and kind of sterile in that sense, but it is helpful to have some uh, guidelines, some principles that we agree on as to what we are doing as a church. So we're getting together prior to the start of the church and saying, well, what what do we want to communicate? What's, what is God calling us to do? And prayed about that and talked about that for quite a while. And we wanted the mission of Grace Bible Church to align very closely with the overarching mission that Christ has given to all of his believers, which is found in Matthew chapter 28. We call this the Great Commission. Listen as I read from Matthew chapter 28 and starting in verse 18. Jesus comes to the disciples and he says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded, and lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. So hopefully this morning, as we go through this, you will hear echoes of that in the mission of Grace Bible Church. The sending, the going, the growth, the disciple-making, all of those things, we want our purpose as a church to align with what Christ has given us for the purpose of our Christian life. So first, Grace Bible Church exists to gather. Now there are two main things that we mean when we use the word gather. First, it is... And in gathering, it is preaching the gospel faithfully so that people come, hear the word of God, work is done by the Holy Spirit to convict them of sin, and they repent of that sin and turn to Jesus Christ in response of faith that God has given them. Paul told the church in Rome, how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? People need to hear the gospel. So one of the reasons we exist is to facilitate a space where the word of God can be presented and people who are apart from God, who don't know Christ, who need the hope of the gospel, can hear that and be brought in to fellowship, not only with us, but most importantly with Jesus Christ and God the Father. This is why every week we want to clearly articulate the gospel in our services. I hope every week you are hearing that you are a sinner and that there is no hope for you apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the message of, that's the good news. The good news starts with bad news, that we're sinful people and that we're in desperate need of a Savior. So whether that be in my preaching, whether that be in our worship, whether that be at our time at the table or the exhortations, our desire is that the gospel is clear so that we are encouraged as believers and those who are among us who do not know Jesus Christ would come to know him in a saving way. 
The other way that we use this word gather is referring to our gathering together, the, the coming together of believers in Jesus, what we are doing right now. And I'm not sure what your church background is for all of you. Maybe attending church was sporadic as you were growing up. Maybe it was just something you did around holidays or when your parents felt guilty enough to go back. Um, maybe for most of your adult life, church has felt like a burden, like something you just have to do. Or maybe you're in the place where you've come to appreciate the gathering of believers and being fed by the word of God and fellowship and communion. But either way, our goal as a church is to emphasize this gathering, to prioritize coming together, especially on Sunday mornings. And we believe that the scriptures agree with this. Therefore, we have texts like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not neglect to meet together. Don't, that's pretty clear. Don't neglect that. Don't stop that, as is the habit of some. But encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. There is not a week that goes by where I do not hear from somebody how concerned they are about the state of our world. And sometimes it's daily. But the reason this text is in the Bible, in Hebrews, as you see the day approaching, which is the day of Christ, the day when everything will be made right and the consummation happens, as you see that coming and the world gets worse and worse and more difficult to live a Christian life, don't neglect to meet together. This is where we come for encouragement, for strength, and for meeting with our brothers and sisters. The writers of Scripture knew that there was great value in the people of God coming together, in the power of the Spirit of God, to hear the Word of God, to worship God, to the glory of God. It is all about God. Our gathering, yes, we emphasize things that are helpful for us. We emphasize things that will help us in our walk with Christ. But ultimately, the church exists for the glory of God. And we want our mission statement to facilitate that, to move us towards glorifying God. The majority of our resources as a church go to the Sunday morning gathering. And that is because we are so convinced that this, what we are doing right now, is so important. And of course it has to go beyond that. I I don't mean to say that this is enough, because it isn't. But it is a very important part of our Christian life. We also see this at the end of Acts chapter 2. The early church is coming together. The apostles and the disciples are preaching the gospel and people are coming to know Jesus. They're being baptized. The church is forming. And what do we see them doing? They are gathering together. This is the end of Acts chapter 2. They are attending temple daily. You think it's hard to get up at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. What about every day? I pitched this to the elders and they didn't go for it. We wanted to have daily church and that just didn't happen. I'm kidding. But this is, this is how the church is identified. This has always been how the church is identified, by coming together. We've been known by our commitment to fellowship, to communion with one another, and most importantly, to communion with God. This is because over time in your Christian life, you begin to recognize the absolute importance of being around other Christians. How many times could each one of us probably say, 
and look back on an instance when someone came to us and encouraged us in the Lord or just said, I'm praying for you. It's so important. And I know that it sounds self-serving when I talk to you and I say, hey, I haven't seen you in church for a couple weeks. How you doing? Whatever. It's not because I'm being nosy. It's not because I think that you're going to another church. If there's a church that feeds you and you're growing in the word, then go there. The point isn't to be here. The point is to be in fellowship with other believers. And I ask you these things because I love you and I care for you and I know that the fellowship of believers is absolutely paramount to our development as Christians. Therefore, Grace Bible Church exists to gather. Second, Grace Bible Church exists to grow Second Peter chapter 3. You can turn here or just write the reference down. Second Peter 3, 17. This is the end of the book. Peter has just got done saying about how things are going, just like I said, going to get worse before they get better in the state of the world. And this is what he says now, verse 17. <clears throat> you, therefore, beloved Christians, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Okay, don't get carried away. Don't become wobbly in your faith. So how do you do that? Verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. We exist to grow. You should see this natural progression in our mission statement that once we have gathered together, okay, then what? What happens? Our conviction is that we should be growing in grace, growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've probably heard me say this before, but there is no neutrality in the Christian life. There is no such thing as just staying still. You are either moving towards God and maturing and developing in your relationship as slow and small as that may be, or you are moving away. You ever drive by a pond that has no water flowing through it and it's just stagnant? It's just sitting there and it's scummy and there's junk on top of it? Doesn't it just make you want to jump in and soak in that nasty pond? It's the same thing with our spiritual life. If you are stagnant, if you are sitting and not moving anywhere, you will become gross, to use the theological term. We must be growing and pursuing our relationship with God. And that does not happen accidentally. You don't accidentally become sanctified. It is a pursuit of holiness. How many times does the Bible instruct us, be holy for I am holy, God says. It is our privilege to grow in these areas. So how does this happen? What do we mean when we say we exist to grow? I think Peter gives us the answer in the text that we just read. We are to grow in grace and in knowledge. We grow in grace by practicing grace. Is that an oversimplification? We grow in grace by practicing grace. One of the things about being involved in the local church is there are constantly opportunities presented for us to extend grace because we're all sinful people. We all have personality quirks. We have things that we do that necessitate 
the exercise of grace. So when you pray for God to give you more grace, he is going to put you in a situation where you need to do it. We see this all the time with especially things like patience. And you pray that you want to be a more patient person and immediately God generally puts us in a situation where you have to exercise patience. That's the way that God works. And hopefully you've seen that in your own life. But grace or being gracious doesn't it doesn't come natural for us. So it doesn't come natural for me. Maybe you are different. But when we're put in situations with people that are difficult or awkward or just hard to deal with or abrasive, it can be really tough to extend grace, can't it? But the reality is if we are to grow in grace, there can't be qualifiers on that. The Bible does not say grow in grace as long as grace is being extended back to you. That's not what the Bible tells us at all. It's really easy to be kind to people who are kind to us. It's really easy to be patient with people who are patient with us. But what about the other 99% of people that you interact with? Are we growing in this discipline of grace? Now the other part of growth is a growth in knowledge. Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So how do we attain, as, as humans, as people, how do we attain knowledge? Let's say you're applying for a job or you're going for a promotion within your company that requires that you know things that you currently don't know. There's a level of understanding, expertise, skill, qualification, whatever. How do you get to that point? Well, there's a number of things we do. We read. We study. We talk to people who have been there or who are currently there, and we learn from their wisdom. And I think it's very similar in our Christian life. How do we grow in the knowledge of God? Jesus told us, again, I'm just copying whatever Eric said this morning. There's a lot of overlap here, and I'm thankful for that. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That is the objective command. That's what it is. We can see that. Now, we know experientially or subjectively, if we're using the opposite, that we cannot truly love something we don't know. We've talked about this before in our sermons. Therefore, to be obedient to the command of God given us through the Bible, we must study and learn and grow in our understanding of God so that we can love Him appropriately. And I think I need to remind myself of this. You need to be reminded of this. The knowledge of God should never be separated from affections for God. Knowledge of God should never be separate from affections for God. There are a lot of people who love the theology. They love to know the doctrinal side of things, and we need to know those things. But if the pursuit of knowledge is done to the exclusion of our love for God and the way that it motivates us to see who he is and worship him for that, it is pointless. You can know all the facts in the world and have no affection for God, and what do you have? Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 13. If I possess all knowledge 
and wisdom and yet have not love, what's it doing? So remember, as I encourage us towards growth in grace, in knowledge, it is not separate from the way that that knowledge should motivate us in our love for God. It's so much more. The more that we know God, the more we will trust his character. And the more that we trust him, the more that we will love him for what he done. And therefore, as a church, we are insistent that we grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We exist to grow. Third, Grace Bible Church exists to send. As the gospel is preached and heard and sung and read, and the lost are saved and come to faith in Jesus Christ, as the believers are strengthened through that gospel, the next step is to send. Now this is an important word to define. Here's what we mean when we use the word send. Sending can look a number of different ways. It can be uh, missionaries going on short-term, mid-term, long-term missions. It can be sending a group of people along with a leadership team to plant a church in a neighboring community. But it can also be sending people into different areas of ministry inside our church. So when we say send, think of this as a deployment engaging and using the gifts that God has given you for the good of the church and the glory of God. Sending does not only mean packing up your family and going overseas. It certainly can, and we pray that God will raise up people like that in our church. But what we don't want to do is to have anyone think that just because you might not feel called by the Lord to go far away, that there's nothing for you to do. All of us have this field of mission. All of us have areas of influence. I guarantee every one of us has somebody that looks up to us. I don't care how old you are. And so what are you doing with the way God made you? Are you being deployed into areas where you can use those gifts? You can use the unique way in which God made you to serve those around you and to glorify God The fact that we exist to send or deploy assumes the first two points of the mission, right? If we are going to be a sending church, we must first be a church that gathers together, that is strengthened together in the gospel. We must be a church that grows together and equips one another for the work of the ministry that we are ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. And only after those first two things have happened Should we be a church that sends and deploys? So when we talk about being a church that sends, please know that our desire is for healthy, God-honoring, scripturally grounded, gospel-oriented churches. This church and any other place that we go into ministry. I think sometimes when we talk about... um, sending people or equipping people, whatever. There can be such a zeal to do it that certain development key issues are overlooked. And so when we talk about, yeah, one day we would love to send a group of you to another place and establish another healthy church. But we're not gonna do that for the sake of expediency. We're not gonna go around the systems that have been set up for growth, development, maturity, We want healthy, 
gospel-centered churches that are going to glorify God. And may God raise up leaders and people with that same desire. Because that's what we want to be. A church that doesn't hold on to everything God gave us, but is free in our distribution of the resources. That's what it means to be a steward. Paul told the church in Corinth, it is required that a steward be found faithful. And as churches, we are stewards of God's gospel. So are we being faithful with the message? We want to exist to be a sending church. And this, of course, comes from a conviction that the Bible is true. We already heard this in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus says, go and make disciples. Well, in order to go, you kind of have to be sent, encouraged, maybe pushed out the door sometimes. This is what Paul was arguing in Romans chapter 10. I cited this earlier. Let me read Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14. How then will they call upon him in whom they have not believed. He had just said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we go, yes, that's, yep, you have, to, you have to hear the gospel and respond. Okay, well, let's back it up a step. What's to happen? Paul says this, how are they going to call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they going to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? All of us would probably affirm that it's necessary to hear the gospel in order to have salvation through Jesus Christ. But are we as quick to affirm that that means sending people, equipping people, inside our church, outside our church, in obedience to the word of God, we desire to be a church that sends. So, We've talked about the fact that Grace Bible Church exists to gather, grow, and send. Now let's look at the last section, disciples who delight in Jesus. They might say, wait a minute, I thought the disciples were the 12 guys that were following Jesus and doing miracles, and, and that's right. But a disciple, by definition, simply means a follower. Someone who adheres to another's doctrine or teaching and so of course in the case of the Christian we are disciples of Jesus Christ we follow and adhere to his teachings as are seen in the entire Bible sometimes we use the word disciple in its verb form we say we are being discipled or we are discipling someone else all this means is that if you are discipling someone you are helping them become more and more like Jesus The point of discipleship is not to make someone like you or me. The point of discipleship is to facilitate opportunities for people to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And it's something our church desires. Sometimes in conversations with people, I ask them, well, tell me, what's your, what identifies you? Give me the top three things that identify you as a person. They just say something like, well, I'm a husband or I'm a wife or I'm a employee or I'm a business owner or whatever that may be but as Christians our primary identifier should be that we are disciples of Jesus Christ we are followers of Jesus that should be at the top of any list now just because you are a follower 
doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy about it. There are hundreds of thousands of people in the world who are following orders, following someone else, and they are not happy about it. Being a disciple of Jesus is so much more than just following the letter of the law. It's not just accepting things as fact, which is why we included in our mission statement this element of delight in Jesus. There's a way to follow and be a disciple and you're gritting your teeth and everything seems like a struggle and you're just, just got to plow through, just got to plow through. There is joy and delight to be found in the walk of obedience. And our desire as a church is that we would come to see the Christian life not so much in terms of duty and obligation and weight but that as disciples of Jesus, we would follow after him with joy. John 15, Jesus is explaining to his disciples about the vine and the branch. You remember this text, the vine and the branch? He's telling them how apart from him, they can't do anything of value. And then he tells them in verse 11 why he's explaining it this way. This is what he says, John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The Greek word translated in John 15 is kara, which is also translated, anybody want to take a guess? Delight. Same word. Jesus gives us commands. He gives us instructions, not so that our lives would be spent in this hopeless labor or this fruitless toil that we sometimes think it is. But he tells us these things. Why? Why do we have the instruction of Jesus in the word of God? So that our delight in him would reach its maximum level. If you look at the instruction of the Bible and we only see it in terms of do this, don't do that, and that feels crushing then you don't understand the Bible. God did not set out to crush us and keep us as low as possible. 1 John 5, 3, John says, This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Why aren't they burdensome? Now, I'm, I'm putting a lot of things together, but bear with me. The commands of Christ, the commands of God, are not burdensome to us any longer because God has sent his Holy Spirit to enable us to live this Christian life. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Yes, there are things that we obey. Yes, there are things that we must do as Christians. But our desire is that we get to the point where we can see obedience to God not as restriction only, but as an opportunity to delight in Him because of His care for us. All the promises of God, all the commands of God are given for our good. So as we make disciples, as people grow together, <clears throat> Excuse me. We desire as a church 
that that would come to be seen as something to rejoice in, to delight in, because of what Jesus has done. Now let me close by telling you a couple reasons for doing this. Like I said, this is not normally what we do during our sermon time, but we felt it was important to communicate this, and there's a couple reasons. First, it is for your good and the good of the leadership of the church to know the mission of the church. Here's what I mean. I don't want you as a congregation to be ignorant of what's going on around here. I don't want you to see decisions made or direction set and have to wonder, well, why in the world are they doing that? That, that doesn't make any sense. We want to be transparent and accountable to you. So I want you to know very clearly what the mission of the church is so that as you see what's going on, as you see these decisions being made, you can look at it and be encouraged that we are following to the best that we can by the power of the Holy Spirit what the scriptures have told us to make disciples, to teach them everything that Jesus commanded and then to send into different areas of ministry. This is also good for us as elders because we want to be held accountable to this. This is your invitation that if you see us doing things that are contrary to the scripture, contrary to the vision that God has laid on our hearts for the church, tell us. We have blind spots. We're not perfect. There are things that we miss. So consider this your invitation at any time to say, wait a minute, this isn't lining up. What's going on? We need that and we want that. The second thing is that, like I said, tonight we're getting together and we're going to look forward to what we believe God is calling us to do. And without some kind of foundation, some point of reference, why are we doing these things? Why are we introducing Sunday school? Why are we doing whatever? Well, it's because we exist to gather, grow, and send disciples who delight in Jesus. And these are ways to bring that to pass by the Spirit of God working through us. So there's accountability that we need, there's encouragement that we need, and there is help in understanding what's going on by knowing the mission that God has given to us at this church. And I would just say, as we close, this is the last thing I'll say, that God has been, in his faithfulness, so patient with us as a church and as leaders. This is our first year of ministry here at Grace Bible Church. And there have been things that the elders have not done well. There have been things that we probably would do different if we did again. And so the Lord has been patient with us. And I just want to say publicly, we are thankful for your patience with us. As we figure things out, as we try to be faithful to the word of God and what he has called us to do, this is only going to work if we can practice grace and patience with one another. So thank you. As, you, as a congregation, you've been very encouraging and very supportive, and God has been so faithful to us. So I hope you can come tonight to hear some of the vision that we're going to cast for the future, and would God be glorified in all of the ministry of Grace Bible Church. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that in your infinite wisdom, you did not plan a redemption that simply saves individuals and leaves them but you planned a redemption in which we are brought into a family, into a body with the risen Christ as our head. 
And now you've given us opportunities, Father, to use the different giftings that you've given to us, to encourage one another, to exhort one another, to challenge and correct one another. I pray that Grace Bible Church would be a church that glorifies you in all that we do. Would you keep us faithful to the mission that you've given us, Father, as we seek to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave, as we gather and grow and send people who love you, who delight in you, who are zealous for you and your word, Father, give us strength and wisdom. I thank you for the privilege of gathering every Sunday in the way, Lord, that you have provided for our needs to do this. I thank you for this church building and the generosity of its owners that let us meet here. Lord, would this be a place where the gospel is preached, where the gospel is sung and heard and lived. We can't do this ourselves. We need your help. So would you do this work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.